time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another podcast. It's Monday, April 2nd, 2018. We say that each week because many of you listen to this on a downloaded basis. So it's nice to know which program you're listening to from which week. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information of what is going on in the mortgage industry and real estate finance industry, the economy, and do so in an audio format so that you can listen to it anytime and anywhere. We get so many people telling us that they listen to us while driving to and from work or while working out or just relaxing. Whichever way you listen to it, we're just grateful that you are listening. And we appreciate it if you will tell others about the podcast. This is how this podcast has become so popular. It's because folks like you that are listeners, regular listeners, share it with others. We appreciate that very much. On today's show, we've got Brent Emler with Velma. We're going to be talking about CRMs. That is an important tool that many companies could be implementing more effectively and using more effectively. So we've invited Brent Emler, who's a part of Velma, one of our regular advertisers, to come on the program and talk about that during the Hawk Topic segment. I want to say also a special thank you to our sponsors. We start off always by saying thank you to the NBA for our partnership there and encourage you to sign up for Mortgage Action Alliance, also known as MAW, M-A-A, MAW, Mortgage Action Alliance. Go to the NBA website, sign up for that. Also, we're very pleased and proud of our partnership with ArchMI, the creator of the new innovative RateStar program. Be sure to check that out. Talk a little bit about that later. Also, Black Knight, the leading provider of integrated software and data analytics solutions that facilitate and automate many of the business processes across the homeownership lifecycle. Also, we're very pleased to be a part of the Mortgage Collaborative, the power of the network, great place to connect in a meaningful relationships with many in the leaders in the industry. Also, Velma, virtual electronic marketing assistant, helps you get your message out. We're going to hear about that uh, with Brent Emler as our guest a little bit later. Also, we want to welcome our newest sponsors, The Mortgage Coop, providing easy and fun training for mortgage lenders. Also, we are proud new members of Lenders One, the largest and oldest mortgage cooperative, which creates competitive advantages both for lenders and vendors. This is an amazing organization. I encourage you to check it out. Also, we're thrilled to have Open Mortgage, our first mortgage company who has become a sponsor of the radio program. You need to get to know this company. They're growing. They're on a solid foundation, and they're expanding their operation, and they're going to be talking. We're going to be talking to Scott Gordon and his team of mortgage professionals about the programs they have. They're a very large reverse mortgage lender, and they do it right. Check out their website. If you want to figure out if reverse mortgages are right for you, go to their website, openmortgage.com. Check out the videos. Very helpful information. I think you'll find it very informative. Also, I want to say a special thank you to Alice, Joe, Andy, and Alan for their contributions to the program. I love it when we hear from our listeners. And this week, I heard from James Harrison, who is Vice President, Warehouse Portfolio Manager for Gold Dome Warehouse Lending in the Dallas area. By the way, great company. Check them out if you're looking for warehouse lending. And James sent me an email with a link to a local news story. And this is just happening in this part of Dallas, in the Fort Worth uh, uh, area of Dallas, where a lenders or a number of escrow companies are getting their system hacked. Uh, it's hard to imagine an escrow company or a realtor operating on a Wi-Fi or a public Wi-Fi, but evidently that's the case. And so these hackers have gotten in, are getting information about transactions that are close to closing, and they instruct, they get the email addresses, information about the borrower. They send the borrower an email saying, wire your money, your down payment money, 
to this, and they give the wire instructions. It's fraudulent, and of course, that money is ending up God knows where, but it ends up, it's lost. You can imagine how upsetting it is to that consumer when they realize they've been defrauded. Now, we've covered this before on previous podcasts. I recommend you go check out the podcast from September 18th, 2017. We had Scott Agabon, a special agent with the FBI on, and there was a lot of good information in there. So, Heads up, be aware of it. And also you can check out this news story and a video that's in our show page for this program this week. Again, I want to say a special thank you for James Harrison sending that out. And of course, check out Gold Dome Warehouse Lending. Great company and I really appreciate Jim as a listener and giving our listeners a heads up on this important and ever-growing problem in the mortgage industry. Now, without further ado, let's get on and listen to the Mortgage Minute update from Rob Van Raphorst of the NBA. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Raphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, FHFA confirmed that on June 3rd, 2019, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will begin issuing a new common mortgage-backed security. This uniform MBS, or the single security, will replace the current separately traded MBS and will be issued through the common securitization platform. MBA has consistently supported the development of the CSP and the single security with the expectation that issuance of the uniform MBS will improve secondary market liquidity and lead to a stronger, healthier primary market. MBA's weekly mortgage application survey showed that mortgage apps increased 4.8% from one week earlier and the average contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage increased to 4.69% from 4.68%. MBA's Tech Solutions Conference and Expo 2018 is taking place this April 15th through the 18th in Detroit, Michigan. The special guest will be Dan Gilbert, founder and chairman of Quicken Loans. That's it from the Mortgage Bankers Association. I also want to make you aware of another conference that I'll be speaking at on April 12, 2018. It's at the Doubletree Inn by Hilton in Detroit, Dearborn, actually. And it's a part of Agility Conferences. Vince Valvo and team has put together an amazing one-day conference. Check it out. Go to mortgageconferences.com. Check out all the conferences Vince has across the country. I'm looking forward to speaking at a good number of them. And now we've got Les Parker with his macro view of the mortgage market, what's going to be going on, and let's also see what music parody he has for us this week. Les? Dave, like always, you sound hopping happy. Loan Logic sponsors Market Logic's Live. Dominique, Nika, Nika, I will tell of Dominique his goodness to acclaim. Dominated by the ticky ticky over tapes, nose plot along, and sounds of breaking long. Who can forget Sister Jean during the Final Four? One of the 25 Sister Jean's authorized t-shirts reads, Worship, Work, and Win. Listening to the tape, the win goes to the bulls, but for how long and how far? Sinking stocks lift happy 10-year treasury notes, yet they remain 200 basis points higher than the French 10-year bond. Fear is still gripping the market over Facebook's decline in likes. Do not be surprised to see a 2.62% 10-year yield in April. These views are my own. Go to LoanLogics.com and subscribe to my daily newsletter. Joe Farr, good to have you with us, friend. Give us a market update. What's going on, or what's going on this uh, this last week? I was playing on Monday, but we'll talk about last week. Actually, I want to go back several weeks because it has really been a fairly quiet time over the last ever since the uh, the middle of February. So for about seven weeks in a row now, Dave, MBS prices have stayed in a in a pretty tight range. Mortgage rates have fluctuated only about an eighth of a point over the time. And you know this has happened during a very volatile stock market. You know, with all the talks of trade wars and the political uncertainty. You know, generally pretty good economic data, but fortunately the inflation data has continued to remain low. So, you know, so it's, in fact, there has been some volatility, intraday volatility, but from day to day and from week to week, it's been a really pretty quiet six or seven weeks. Yeah, really has been. Yeah, so let's look at just last week in, in particular. MBS prices rose about 25, 28 basis points. Uh, the Dow has recovered about half of the big losses they lost the week before. The economic data during the week was mixed. You know, looking back at the fourth quarter GDP, I know it's a different time, but fourth quarter GDP was revised higher, barely substantially. 
the second look at fourth quarter GDP was at 2.5% for the quarter, and, and that has been revised to 2.9%. And it, it exceeded by a bunch what was expected. Uh, the expectations called for about a 2.6% fourth quarter G- GDP. So 29 was fairly substantial, and when you combine that with a strong second quarter and a strong third quarter, you know, the, the nine-month period, I don't remember exactly, but it's one of the best nine-month periods in a long time. During the week, consumer sentiment and consumer confidence came out. Both fell a little bit from February and were slightly less than what was expected. Uh, February pending home sales showed a big improvement, but that was off of a very weak January number. And then uh, the big event for the week was core PCE. It matched expectations, which was for, I think, a 2%, a two-tenths increase during the month. For the year, though, from February to, to March, or from February to February, uh, the increase has been 1.6%. Now, that is still low, but it's the highest it's been in about six months. It's been on a fairly steady, slow but steady rise over the last six months or so. Still well below the Fed's target of 2%. Now, looking at the week, first week of the second quarter, first week of April, the big event's going to be the Friday jobs report. The forecasters expect it to fall a little bit short from a very strong February number. Expectations call for about 188,000 net new jobs added. You'll remember the February number was over 300,000. Mm, they do saw right. for a drop in the unemployment rate and wages increasing about two-tenths of a percent. Also during the weekday, the ISM index for both manufacturing services will be released, uh, manufacturing on Monday, services on Wednesday, and these are big reports. And so much of a deviation from expectation could move the market. So we'll see if the market just stays fairly benign as it has for the last seven weeks or see if we start uh, trading outside the narrow range that we've been in. Of the data that's coming out next week, Joe, what's the data that could have probably the biggest surprise or or have at least the biggest potential of moving market? I mean, they should be paying attention to all of it, but what do you think is going to be the one that they should pay the most attention? The jobs report, that's what I thought. Friday. 8.30 Friday morning, Eastern Time, pay attention. Uh, It has always, you know, it's always, if there's much deviation, it's a big big event. It should be a great movement in the market. Yeah, everyone heads into a weekend, so it even exacerbates the the potential reaction. So good stuff. Appreciate you taking the time to uh, record your comments with me and share them with our audience. Appreciate it, Joe. Well, thank you, Dave. Listeners, if you're looking for an easy and fun training technology, you want to listen to what our friends at KnowledgeCube have to offer. At the KnowledgeCube, we work hard to create training that engages and encourages our audience. Once people are engaged in training, they are more likely to stay focused and retain the information that they need to know. So here's your training tip for the week. Next time you have an important policy or bit of knowledge you need to train, do it in short clips and make sure you sprinkle it in with a little bit of humor. Video training is highly impactful, but only when done in the way we've been conditioned through TV. Videos should be no more than five minutes, should get to the point, and humor should be sprinkled through to emphasize the important points. Memories are more powerful when attached to an emotion. If you need help with your company's training, please reach out to us at knowledgecoop.com, and we'd be happy to assist. And that's your training minute from the Knowledge Cube, which strives for easy and fun training for the mortgage industry powered by a smart digital platform. Thanks, Nathan. And again, to learn more, go to www.knowledgecoop.com. Alice, good to have you with us. What report do you have for us today? Hello, everyone. This is Alice Alvey with your legislative update. So it looks like the CFPB has given us a 30-day extension to respond to their request for information on the civil investigative demands. The original RFI was set to expire March 27th, and there was a request from the Consumer Bankers Association to get a 30-day extension on this because they only gave us 60 days to comment, and obviously it takes a lot of time to pull these together. So the website is reflecting that the comment period will close 
close now, not until April 26th. So it looks like we've been given the extension. But when you go to click on submit a formal complaint or comment, it's not uh, accepting it. It's still acting as if the comment period is closed. So we'll watch this for you uh, over the next couple of days to see if it opens back up. Certainly look for the Mortgage Bankers Association's feedback on this uh, to be able to duplicate their comment. The next one that is coming due is uh, going to be the Bureau request for information about their practice for the adjudication proceedings. Uh, This comment period also looks like it's been moved and is extended to May 7th. And uh, so you've got a little bit of time before you uh, have to file your response for that. There haven't been any changes in the legislative uh, front as we've been, uh, we know we have the Housing Reform Act that was passed by the Senate. There is not a House companion bill as of yet, and we will continue to watch that for you. No other news on the legislative front for today. So Dave, I will kick it back to you. Have a great day, everyone. Now let's get over to Alan Pollock with the weekly tech report. Alan? Hey, David. It's a good day. Today is my birthday, 43 years old. Interesting facts about the year 1975. First, the personal computer industry was launched in 75, and it was on the tail from 1974 where calculators were the hot item in consumer electronics. And it started with a calculator company in Albuquerque. Its owner, research engineer Ed Roberts, he built a small computer with microprocessors from Intel. He called it the Altair 8800. It was offered as a kit so you can build your own computer. It was machine code, and it was featured on the cover of Popular Electronics magazine in January 75. Lo and behold, a Harvard student and his friend, Bill Gates and Paul Allen, realized Altera would be a lot better if they could program it in BASIC. Many of us know BASIC. It's a popular and easy-to-use programming language. Some of us started our programming career in BASIC. Anyways, the pair called Robert and offered to develop a BASIC interpreter for the Altair. Six weeks later, Roberts bought the program from Gates and Allen, and just a little bit later on, Allen and Gates later established Microsoft Corporation. The story gets even better. A hobbyist who couldn't afford the Altair kit created his own from scratch, Stephen Wozniak, and he polished up his own creation in 1976, and with his friend Steve Jobs, he began to sell it and improve it. In 1977, they introduced Apple II and made Apple Computer Company. Also interesting, David, in 1975, The Home Mortgage Disclosure Act was enabled, HUMDA, but as it was originally drafted, the only information that you had to report was the number and dollar amount of loans by census tract. And in 1975, rates were only about 8.82%. Compared to where they went to 8 to 10 years later, that was a good deal. All right, let's talk blockchain. We had a lot of interest about blockchain two weeks ago. And if you were not able to listen to the podcast on March 12th with Debbie Hoffman, please go and listen. It was a great episode. I think we need to keep our eyes on blockchain. There's a lot of ideas and innovation here, some of which may change how we know mortgage lending today. It's not going to happen overnight, David, but what it does offer to us is it's going to really make the data and the documents and the need to have chronological order and good information so much more transparent and efficient to us. For the new listeners, let's talk about what blockchain is for a second. The basic idea of blockchain is that it's a data management structure. It's a digital ledger. It's a chain of digital blocks that contain records and transactions that can be read by users with the use of digital keys, which are essentially passwords. When users transact, they create a package of information referred to as a block that is chained together to the prior transactional blocks through the digital fingerprints called hashes. So all of the transactions are stacked one after another, connected digitally, and each individual block is signed by the owner of the information that was written directly into that block. The transactions, they're recorded real time, and those blocks are visible to everybody that has permission on the network, and blockchains can be public or private. All right, let's talk security for a second. First, these transactions, they're tamper-proof. When data is written into a blockchain, conditions of that blockchain are agreed and written into the ledger. Remember, each transaction block is tied linearly to the prior one. Second, there is the distribution across the blockchain network. It's across many computers. It's peer-to-peer. There is not one central database which a hacker would gain access to. So we don't have a single point of failure, such as a database server, or something not responding or going down. 
So it's incredibly challenging to falsify or make fake transactions. And if a hacker was to try, it is extremely hard because they would need to change the block containing that record as well as all the ones linked before and after to avoid detection. Third, there are unique keys that I mentioned earlier. So records on a blockchain are secured through cryptography. Each participant has their own private keys that are assigned to the transactions they make and it acts as their own personal digital signature. If a record is altered, the signature will become invalid and the peer network will know right away that something has happened. So what does it all mean? We have a chronological order of details, David, and we have a clear line of sight into everything that happened from the original transaction all the way up to the most recent transaction. In the end, there is a lot of room for automation, process redesign, shared access to electronic versions of documents, lots of data, and we know that it's trusted and verified information. It's gonna take some time for the industry to adapt. It's not gonna be overnight. However, some are making some moves. If you remember Mike Cagney from SoFi, well, he's a co-founder of a brand new startup called Figure that will specialize in home equity lending with blockchain as a key component of the company's business plan. And there's another company called HomeLend. They're building a blockchain-based peer-to-peer mortgage lending platform. Their website says that they are expanding home ownership opportunities for a new generation of borrowers, meeting their distinct lifestyle and needs. And get this, in South Burlington, Vermont, the city was in a pilot program for blockchain. It was in cooperation with a company called Proppy. Well, they just completed their first blockchain-based real estate deed in the U.S. So, some pretty interesting things going on. Throughout the year, we'll talk to others that are doing things with blockchain, disruptive, innovative ideas, and we'll help you understand how blockchain could change mortgage lending. All right, David, back to you. Thanks, Alan. Good to have you joining us with the, on the program. If you want to get more information or connect with Alan, get a hold of him at Alan, A-L-L-E-N, at tms-advisors.com. And be sure to be listening for our upcoming Tech Stack radio program. Very excited about that. Thank you, Alan. Jim Jump, I'm so excited to have the partnership with you and our friends there at ArchMI. What do you have for us this week? Thanks, David. Let me tell your audience a little bit about ArchMI RateStar. RateStar is the most sophisticated pricing solution for mortgage insurance quotes ever built. RateStar has an advanced revolutionary design. It's simple to use. It's easy to access, and it's fully mobile. You can access it anywhere, anytime. RateStar provides a more sophisticated and dynamic pricing solution, far superior than conventional rate sheets. It's available on loan origination systems, through many pricing engines, and it rewards your origination of high-quality loans, again, with our most competitive rate. Of course, RateStar is backed by ArchMI's people power, providing superior support and service whenever you might need it. For more information about RateStar, please go to ArchMI.com or ArchMICU.com for credit unions. Thanks, David. Andy Shell, better known as the Profit Doctor, at least to our listening audience. What do you have for us this week? I'm teaching a webinar coming up on accounting, and so this is, sounds like really boring, but it's actually really interesting, and it can be really fun, because we're going to talk about how to know how much is good enough. We're going to know, when you look at your accounting numbers, we're going to talk about hedging and reporting, and we're going to look at KPIs, and we're going to figure out how much is enough, and we're going to look at loan-level profitability. And this all starts on April the 4th, so go to the mba.org, go to education, and that's where you'll find it. But the thing about loan-level profitability, what that really means is we're going to show reports that count the gain on sale for every single loan, the commission for every single loan, all of the expenses that were paid for every single loan. And by doing that, we create a P&L for every single loan. And we have a, when we have a P&L for every single loan, you can then get to branch profitability, product profitability, profitability by originator. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the first two weeks is how to get to that level of detail. And then the next three weeks, we're going to expand into hedging and hedge accounting and how all, all of that works. And when we talk about hedging, we're going to talk about how it works, how you know when it works, the basics behind it. So we're not going to do best efforts. We're going to do a short TBA position and then close out of the short TBA through a pair-out trade and then go into a short-term mandatory delivery. The why that's good, the, the challenges that come with it, the risk associated with it, but generally the benefits. And in today's world, 
that benefit is running around 30 basis points. So if you're doing a smaller company, let's say you're doing $100 million a year. If all of that was being hedged effectively and generating the the target of 30 basis points, which is what most people get today, that's $300,000 in more profit than you have today. And, and the cost to get that are embedded in this net spread. So you can do what you've been doing or you can do what you've been doing in hedge and make an additional $300,000 on $100 million in volume. So even a $10 million mortgage company can add a substantial amount That's of profit. Right. Yeah, but it's important to not do this on your own. One of, the, one of our good friends, Don Brown, over at Optimal Blue Secondary Services uh, can really get this taken care of for folks. So they're really good at doing this. Give them a call. Give me a call. We'll talk about hedging. Join the webinar and we'll teach you everything you need to know about accounting and hedging for a mortgage company, and more importantly, your KPIs, how to know if you're good enough, how to know what good enough so, is. Good, Annie. Appreciate the profit, Dr. Bean, here. So the KPI of the week, this is often one of those ads that we get so much information from. John Moynell, Vice President of Client Service, Motivity Solutions, which is a part of the Black Knight family, is here to give us an update on the KPI of the week. <laughs> Thanks very much, David. Always good to be here. And this week's key performance indicator is application to funded cycle time. Uh, since the arrival of TRID, cycle time measurements have obviously come to the forefront, everything from looking at the entire application to funded cycle uh, down to sub-cycles or cycle time between milestones. Everyone wants to compress cycle time, and the beauty of this type of strategic KPI is that it can be tied to operational KPIs that track the tasks or processes within the cycle that contribute to how long or short that cycle is. So operational KPIs can be thought of as the cause, and strategic KPIs are the effect. Uh, and balancing and monitoring these key measurements really can drive performance, and this demonstrates again that what gets measured gets results. And with that, David, I will turn it back to you. Thanks very much again. So true. What gets measured gets results. Please also have a partnership with Black Knight. And they've got some surfacing statistics they have. It's just amazing. We're going to be right back with this update from Black Knight. TRID 2.0 goes into effect later this year. Are your processes and technology ready to support the new requirements? Black Knight, a leading mortgage industry fintech, can help with all of your compliance efforts. The system is continually enhanced to help lenders meet changing regulations, including TRID 2.0. Black Knight's Empower Loan Origination System offers expedited implementation timeline, which results in reduced costs and can easily scale to accommodate your business growth. Learn how you can get Empower now. Contact Black Knight at blackknighting.com. Folks, I'm excited to have back as our guest, Brent Emler of Velma, which stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. They're advertisers or sponsors of the podcast and have been for some time. But most importantly, Brent's become a great friend and a valuable resource as I continue to consult and work with companies on how to be dealing with consumers in a more effective in an automated way, not automated in the sense that it automates your, your relationship, but it accelerates and it really helps you build your relationship on a more efficient basis. And of course, we're talking about CRM or Customer Relationship Management Technology. Brent, good to have you on the program, my friend. Thank you, David. Nice to be here. Well, for those who can't believe that anyone's living under a rock doesn't know what CRM is, so I guess I may have insulted someone with that, but for those that don't know what a CRM is, Let's get into it. Describe what a CRM is, all right? Uh, well, you know, I think we all know what the, the acronym is, right, and what it stands right. for. But when you start unpacking what, what CRM means and you start asking around and interviewing people, there, there is no real right answer, right? And so um, at a very high level, you know, CRM is a technology for managing all of your company's relationships and interactions with customers and potential customers and business partners. And it's a very mm -hmm. simple goal to improve business relationships. So it helps companies, CRM helps companies stay connected to customers. We streamline processes and improve profitability. So when mm -hmm. people talk about CRM, they're, they're usually referring to a system. It's a tool that has contact management, it has sales management, 
productivity, and, and many other things uh, that go along with that. So a CRM solution, it really helps you focus on your organization's relationships with individual people, customers, service users, colleagues, suppliers, and, and everybody else that comes into your sphere of influence within your business. That is a good high level, but we want to continue unpacking. and I really want to get into the various components of a CRM solution. And maybe as you as we go through some of the points of what is the components, you know, you know, how what are the ones that are most important that you're seeing that mortgage operations need to have? So let's cover. Let's let's go through it. What, yeah. what would you say the number one thing is? Well, you know, it really kind of depends on the organization. I know that's kind of a non-answer, but you know, when you start unpacking CRM and you ask people what does CRM mean, right? If you ask a loan officer, it means one thing, uh, and and yeah. really, if you if you uh, kind of peel back the layers. On that, if you ask a you know someone who does more uh, web lead gen versus realtor referral business, it means something different to those two types of of salespeople, and it means something different to a loan officer assistant. It means something different to compliance. You know, so so really, depending on what your persona is within the organization, you're going to have different things that are important to you. But but just you know, kind of generally, there there are you know kind of six key components to a CRM. And and when you start really unpacking what CRM is, you start understanding, wow, I see, I really see why it is so difficult to deliver a CRM solution that everyone is happy with. Yeah. Because there's so much going on with it, David. There's, um, you know what I mean? Yep. And there's so many, there's so many components about it. So let's get into the first one. I mean, it's all, this is a relationship business. And so obviously engagement is probably the most overriding issue, would you say? And if so, then what are the, how, what are the various Thing, a tools that a CRM can do to really enhance engagement. Yeah, so you know, in the engagement bucket, you know, you have things like dialers. You have certainly outbound marketing, print, email, SMS, etc. You have presentation tools. You know, I'm, I, I want to engage with this new prospective client, so I need an engagement tool. And so now you say, okay, well, if I need an engagement presentation tool. Then I need something like a mortgage coach, right? Dave Savage was on your show last week. And so I need a presentation tool. And I say to David, uh, you know, I I talk to Dave all the time and I say, Dave, you know, are you guys a CRM? No, we're definitely not a CRM. We're a presentation tool. We are a conversion tool, right? We are a very specific point solution that does a phenomenal job of one very specific thing. But when you talk about CRM, that is part of a CRM, the components of a CRM, which is the presentation tools, right? So you have social engagement and you have sales activity logging. You know, are people making phone calls? Are they doing what they should be doing as a salesperson? So that's just one very discreet area of a CRM. And you can see when you start unpacking just that engagement bucket, you know, you can have oh, yeah. specialization just within that bucket. And so how does a CRM do it all? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. What, what are you seeing some trends when it comes to engagement? Uh, one of the things that I'm seeing a lot of is video. There's, it's, it's widely reported, and I think generally accepted, that video is probably one of the most effective ways to engage with people, which would probably fall in the outbound marketing bucket of, of the things you talked about. Yet people want to talk to so it's got to, you have to have a dialer there, but what are the trends you're seeing as it relates to engagement, generally speaking, when it comes to mortgage loan originations? No question about it. The video piece is, is huge. Uh, I was just watching a, uh, an interview with Tim Brahim. He had a phenomenal idea, right? When you send the prequal letter or the prequal email to the borrower and to the agent to be forwarded on to the, to the listing agent, and, and that's part of the, the offer, why not include a video there and describe yeah. what the family, uh, you know, this, this family is, is really excited about this property, Mr. Listing Agent. They've got two kids. You know, right? You can tell your story in this nice, discreet video that can help your borrower uh, win that win that transaction. So, yeah, there, there's uh, absolutely video is a huge part of the engagement piece. And and you know, going back to uh, the mortgage coach presentations, they've got that ability to add a presentation or I'm sorry, a video to their presentation. That's fantastic, right? You're really yeah. connecting. You're really connecting with that borrower, and especially in this. 
Uh, engagement is especially important in this space, right, with compacting margins and a lot more competition. You've got to really deeply connect with these prospective borrowers. Yeah, I think it's so important. And, you know, Dave, it was such a great guest last week to have Dave Savage on and encourage people to go back and listen to that podcast. And he truly does have some wonderful, powerful presentation tools in, in doing that. And he is integrating yeah. more and more video like, like his program does. We're, we're still audio only, but so people can listen to it anytime, anywhere. But when you're de- communicating with people, especially with a borrower, and you're trying to build relationships, so powerful to have and use video. Let's move on to one yeah. of the other ones. I mean, productivity and enablement is one of of the things that obviously is there. Talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, there are four more categories. You've got productivity and enablement. You have sales intelligence. You have pipeline and people management, right? So mm-hmm. in, in each one of those buckets, you can then, you know, begin to unpack each of those buckets. Um, and within productivity and enablement, you have content management. So what, you know, I need all my product flyers, right? I need to be able to communicate about our products. So it's it's managing all of the, the content that supports your sales efforts. You have quoting, proposals, contracts, e-signing, um, and, and, and some people put sales gamification uh, into that space. I love well. that. So this is, yeah. Yep. So this is really about helping salespeople be more productive in their yeah. business. So that's that's another area of CRM. Right, and so well, one of the, uh, one of the tools yep. that you have within your with the Velma solution is all these pre-prepared, you know, ad content, all done, just mix some content, stir and send <laughs> uh, flyers. Are you yeah. seeing that? I mean, I thought that was going to go away, and I'm finding out no, that is not people. Yes, they welcome a video, but they're going to want to go hold on to or look on a computer screen something. Talk about that. How important is, is that type of material, whether it be electronic or printed? What, how, what are you seeing? Any trends away from that? Or am I accurate in saying that that is as important as ever, but it's, you don't lead with it? What's the best way to frame that up? It's interesting because, you know, again, with the, with the compacting margins, more, more competition, the relationships you have with consumers are more important than ever before, right? And that's, and that's why when people talk about, you know, the digital mortgage, the rocket mortgage, the consumer direct, and, you know, our loan officers going away and, and all of those things, no, they're not. I think that the, the loan officer is uh, the loan officer that can build relationships and maintain relationships is going to be more important than ever before. And and so, you know, the, the, the thing about outbound marketing, you know, that salesperson, their job is to create that emotional connection with the borrower. And then what, what outbound marketing does, Dave, is it maintains that and it provides scalability for a loan officer to maintain the emotional connection they have with that borrower. It's not possible. Dave was saying on your show last week, you know, the, the loan officer of the future in 2020 and beyond um, is going to need to have 10,000 digital friends. Well, you can't pick up the phone and call 10,000 people, right? right. Um, and so you're going to have to have a, you know, a highly intelligent, fully automated way of staying connected with those people. So that's, uh, that's where that outbound marketing um, it's going to be more important, I think, in the future than it has been in the past. And it's got to be data driven. It can't be we can't be relying on human beings to make, you know, these these little discrete, you know, tactical decisions on a day to day basis. We've got to be relying on naturally occurring data um, and not human beings. So when you say naturally occurring data, expand on that just a bit. So in order to do a mortgage transaction, you've got to use this thing uh, called an LOS, right? Yep. Yep. You can't you can't do one you can't do a mortgage transaction without an LOS and so the loan officer has to use the LOS right uh, or right. or you know whoever's supporting her has to use the LOS so there is a natural flow of data happening in that system it's it's happening you're not asking loan officers to go do something that they don't already have to do to get their job done. And so if you can rely on what's already naturally happening to trigger the marketing that's going out go. to, to contact. Yeah, that's the automation part of it. Yep, yep. Yeah. And, and so you're not, you're not asking human beings to change their behavior. What you're doing is you're augmenting their existing behavior. And in that way, you can have a scalable marketing 
effect on the business. Right. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I, I, I get distracted. We, these are all each one of these five categories: engagement, productivity, sales intelligence, pipeline, and people. Man, they're all rabbit holes. You could build a whole radio program around a hot topic segment around each one of these, and probably we we need to really go back and probably do that. But let's, for the sake of getting through what our listeners probably need to hear when it comes to CRMs and some of the trends that you're seeing. Let's go through like sales intelligence, pipeline, and people. I mean, give us an overview there, and I want to get into a couple other areas related to CRMs. So let's let's go dive through those real quickly. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, think, you know, when, when you start thinking about all of these different, you know, sort of functional areas of a CRM, you, you start thinking about, wow, this thing is huge. This thing is huge. And there is so much that goes into this. If I want to, if I want to have an effective deployment of a CRM, does my does my CRM need to cover all of those bases? It, it, am I buying something that is going to to provide all of the things that we just talked about? Right. It's got engagement, right. productivity, sales intelligence, pipeline, people management, onboarding, training, territory, quota management, predictive analytic, on and on and on. Wow. You know, it's just this, it's like you said, it's like it can be a rabbit hole and you start unpacking it. And that's what I think, you know, we should be doing, right? We should be unpacking what it is that we're really trying to accomplish. And so, you know, kind of one of the questions is, can can anybody really do it all? You know what I mean? Yeah. Can, can anybody yeah, exactly. really do all of that? And the answer is no. <laughs> no one <laughs> no. person. Yeah, you really need the technology. And then what about the solutions that you see out there? How many really are able to cover all these areas effectively? Yeah. You know, um, when you think about CRM, what's, what's, the, what's the name brand that you think about? David, what's the what's the name brand that you think about when I say CRM? Who's the who's well the for me? It, for me, it's HubSpot. I mean, I use HubSpot, and the Salesforce mm. is another one that's out there Salesforce. that you hear about. Yeah. But you know, those yeah. are probably the the two leaders in the marketplace. I mean, there's a host yeah. of others out there, but as generally yeah. speaking, for all vertical markets, that's what it is. Then you think of there's others more specific to mortgage, but they often yep. pull off of in the case of I think it's Blend pulls off of HubSpot is really is a uh, yeah. mixes in a lot of what HubSpot does. Well, yeah, and and that's the thing is it's it's Salesforce, right? And and that's the that is they're I think a ten billion I believe they're a ten billion dollar company now. Uh, I maybe uh, that may be high. Maybe they're shooting for ten billion. Anyway, I just read a report and they're shooting for by twenty thirty five they want to be a forty billion dollar a year company, wow. right? As a CRM. Um, and so and so they're kind of the you know they're the 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 big players in the space. And, and when you think about Salesforce, it's like, okay, well, Salesforce clearly must, if they're the biggest player, they clearly must cover all of those bases, right? The engagement, right. productivity, sales intelligence, but, but they, they don't. do all of those. They don't, David, they don't. What they do is they have this really, really flexible platform. And, you know, they were kind of the, the pioneers of, of having an, an API based platform system and what that's done over the last 10 years, there are, I just looked it up yesterday, 2,900 and, and maybe more. That was actually from uh, uh, late 2016 was the last report I could get. But as of that date, 2,900 applications for Salesforce, right? And wow. what those applications, yeah, what those applications do, they bolt on to the platform and they provide very specific point solutions. They do very specific things. In our view, that is the model for the future, right? You have a platform level system, and then there are applications that can bolt on to that platform level system that provide discrete jobs. So that, that's where we, we believe the, the industry is going is more of that model, the API model is just create a general platform and then you bolt on the pieces that are relevant to your business or your industry. Is that what I'm hearing you say? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yep. So, yep. so what yep. is the history of CRM inside a mortgage industry? I mean, we're a lie. We're not known as the most forward-thinking mortgage industry in, yeah. of all the industries out there. And so, talk about where CRMs have been, and can, well, can't wait to get to where you see them going within the industry. Yeah. Well, so you know, I mean, this it, this is our history as well, right? We built in 2007. Great timing. We launched <laughs> a. <laughs> uh, you know, mid 2007, we launched a loan officer specific is built for individual loan officers, not an enterprise, but in individual loan officers to help them deepen and develop relationships. Right. And that was kind of our, right. our mantra. And we found out pretty quickly that we had better pivot to a 
an enterprise, you know, supporting the enterprise. Uh, right. But that's, that was kind of part of our DNA. And if you look at the, if you look at all the CRMs, you know, the, the folks who are listening to this call, you know, if you've done your homework and, and done your research on CRMs, they are all built in that way. They are all built to support that individual loan officer and that individual loan officer making decisions about how they should market. And that definitely aligns with the retail mortgage sort of paradigm, right? Where, hey, you're a, you're a highly paid salesperson. You are on your own. Go out there and, and figure out how to get your business, right? That's, that's yep. kind of the retail, retail space. And so CRMs have traditionally been built to support that business model, that retail uh, mortgage business model, which is great if you have loan officers who are highly motivated, pretty darn technical, and they've got a team of folks who are going to live their lives in that system. The problem is, most salespeople do not fit in that mold. And so right. what happens, Dave, is lenders are buying CRM based on what their top producer te- producers who have teams, what's making them productive and helping them be more productive. They roll it out to the organization and a big, gigantic flop. And why? Because the rest of the field, 90%, 95% of the field, isn't going to do that level of detailed work and or they're not technically capable of doing it. You know, that's, that's kind of where we're at. And I see so much movement right now. You know, companies hopping from one CRM to the next, to the next, to the next. And I talk to them and they're just so unhappy with their CRM. And I know these CRMs and I'm thinking in my head, I, there's nothing, you know, I mean, if you could really convince all your loan officers to use it, it would work. But yeah, that's the challenge. Well, I think that really gets to the heart of the problem going on in our industry right now is that I talked about a little bit with and David or alluded to it is, I mean, the, the loan originators, it's become a little bit of the wild, wild west where everyone's getting to do their own thing. They're, they are valued. I mean, the loan, if we don't have loan originations, we don't have an industry. So it's important that we not minimize the importance of the loan originator. But I think we've gone, the pendulum swung too far so far the other way that it's the tail wagging the dog. And I think management needs to take a hold of this again and say, no, if you want to work here, you will use this system. But I think to your point, there's a lot of people looking at the system and they think it's the end all be all and they don't spend the time investing in what is what is necessary to really bring forward a uh, or bring and implement a really successful CRM. Yeah, no, I com- I completely agree with you. And and what what ends up happening there, Dave, is when you are reliant and, and by and large, the most value that that lenders are getting out of CRMs today is not increased productivity from sales activities. It is marketing. It's yeah. marketing, right? When yeah. when I, I just I just sat down with a, a, a prospective client this week and they kind of walk me through everything that they're doing they're paying a lot of money and have been for a long time the system that they bought is it's basically they the the vendor rewrote the the los and they tried to essentially you know they, they essentially said you know let's just rewrite the entire los which means that you're going to end up with this really big clunky feature rich product it's feature rich but it's so big and clunky that nobody wants to use it and nobody wants to, nobody's going to trust it. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a massive challenge. And then at the end of the day, they're saying, you know, what we're getting out of this system, we're paying, you know, 125 bucks per loan officer. And I've got 150 loan officers do the math on that. And what we're getting is automated birthdays and, and uh, automated birthday emails. And you know what I mean? You could do that. You could do with the outlook. You do that kind of basic functionality inside of an outlook. It's, it's just crazy. It, It is. It is. And, and, and then what, what happens is because the lender is so focused on all of these CRM features, because if I throw enough features at, at my sales force, you know, my, my, my distributed sales force, if I throw enough features at them, surely they'll use one or two of them. What ends up happening is that they don't use it at all. And then the enterprise suffers um, significantly because they're not marketing at an enterprise level. We've got we've got billion dollar companies, billion dollars in revenue a year companies who don't have any lead marketing. They're doing no lead marketing at an enterprise wow. level. That is insane, right? Yeah. Well, let me right? make a bold. It not only is insane, but I think it's suicidal. I think 
there's coming yeah. a place in this market where if you're not if you're following that model of you know not doing anything, you're going to find yourself I mean, seriously impaired if not out of business. Is that a too bold I, statement? I 100% agree. I I 100% agree with you. If we continue to if we continue to rely on human beings to manage the marketing communication to our sphere of influence, and I'm talking at the enterprise level, we right. continue yeah. to rely on human beings and not the data. Do, let me ask you: Do you think the the big, you know, the guaranteed rates, the the quickens, and all of them? Do you think that they're waiting on their loan officers to figure out what to send to a prospective borrower, no. or do you think no. that they're waiting? They're yeah. they're using data. It's data. It's going to big data. And big data doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. I've been trying to tell loan officers, wake up. You, could, you have data. You have big data. How about all your past yeah. clients that you've, you've made loans to? That is big data that you own that you should be able to go market to. It depends, again, the, That's right. how you sold your loans into the secondary market, what agreements you have, and what, you know, what, your, what restrictions are on you. But that's how a loan officer of the future needs to think. We, I have yep. these customers. Yep. I worked with them. And that is a big data. And so it doesn't have to be, well, my company doesn't embrace big data. Well, so what? Why don't you embrace it, loan officer? Yeah. <laughs> Hit yep. me on my, so what's going wrong with the whole world? I mean, why are we not seeing this being more implemented? You guys have had a great solution. You started out being loan officer based, and now you move it to enterprise based. But so you've you've seen both sides of this thing. What's yep. wrong, and what do we need to get this thing in the right path, in the right direction? What do companies need to do? So we were just in a in a meeting with a pretty big lender, and and so as part of our our launch process, David, one of the things that we have are, are success metrics. We have internal success metrics, and we say to the client, we believe that these these are the five five key areas that we have to deliver on for you uh, in order for you to renew the agreement when the renewal comes up. So in, in our minds, if we don't hit those five, then we would fully expect the the client to go on to the next to to go on to another vendor. So it's it's obviously very, very important to us. Um, and then we ask, you know, the client, we say, here are our five key metrics. And we'd like to hear from you what your five key metrics are. They don't know. They don't have one. Wow. And, and when yeah. we when we push, when we push, we push on them. Surely you have, I mean, you purchase the system, you sign the agreement, you're, you're, <laughs> you, you, you have a vendor relationship for the next however long we're going into this thing. What defines success for you? And the answer was make our loan officers happy. Oh, wow. What wow. does that mean? Well, it, it, yeah, it's 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 so symptomatic is the tails wagging the dog. Make our people happy so they don't go away and join another firm and our volume goes off. They're they have abdicated their responsibility. That's for me what it means as a consultant, as a business consultant. They've abdicated their responsibility. They've given up their responsibility. Just do whatever the loan officer makes to make them happy. What are you doing, leader, to take control of these systems, drive it, and do the best job. I mean, involve your loan officers. Do you see successful yeah. companies involving their loan officers in selecting the right For CRM sure. that meets their needs? That, isn't that, that seems like it would be so logical. Well, it, it depends, right? Um, I mean, right. you certainly do want to get, you do certainly do want to have the most successful salespeople weigh in. Uh, right. but, but we have to remember that the most successful salespeople are unique. They are different than the other 90%, 95% of the organization. Good point. And so if you buy a system based on, you know, this will make, this will make my top producer happy, it's not going to, it's probably not going to make to work the rest, for the rest of your of the loan crowd. It's yeah. probably not. It's probably not. That's really a good honest. point. That's really good. And then, and then, so when you're selecting, I mean, you've been dealing in this space forever. You're really good mm. at this. And so when you're advising someone and they're saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, but I know squat, what would be the steps you take? Should, should they say, how much do they involve the loan originators? Or do they basically say, here's what we selected, use it, or say goodbye to them? Or I mean, what's, what's the balance in there between those two extremes? Defining the two extremes is yeah. have it management by committee or cramming it down their throat because we, we like this one. Yeah. We think it's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and this, it, this is where I believe, we believe at Velma that there is a paradigm shift coming in the CRM, the mortgage CRM space. And, oh, and what I mean by that, yeah, what I mean by that is historically, 
what CRM vendors do is they get feedback. You know, they're in the sales process and the top producer says, I need to have X, Y, and Z. And, and then it's sort of like, you know, the salesperson, the CRM salesperson would say, if I could provide you X, Y, and Z, would you move forward with me today? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they go, yes. All right. Well, now as a CRM vendor, I'm going to go rush off and build that thing, whatever that thing is, right? Yeah, and it's usually something that's not very well defined. And then you yeah. go around this this track. And and now, by the way, as a CRM vendor, you get to own that feature and the support and the regression testing and everything that goes along with it. You own that forever, right? Even if you don't really like it, fun. it doesn't fit your vision. So now this is why a lot of the mortgage-specific CRMs are bloated. Uh, they've got they've got just a billion different features, and they're expensive. Um, right. So we we believe that the future is more of that Salesforce model, where there's a single source of truth. And what is that single source of truth? And that's the LOS. We right. we know that the data has to go into the LOS, and then there's an application network that can hook up to the LOS to do very discrete tasks. So if you think about what, what Ellie is doing, Ellie Mae is, you know, they're very focused on their APIs. Right. And I've heard that they're building an application network. And so yeah. as a... possible. As a, we're going to be yeah, interviewing yeah. Joe and the company. Hopefully they'll share some of what they have. I doubt they're going to show us, share with us everything they've got going on, but, but yeah. that, would, that would make sense. That's where the market is going. Just like Salesforce, right? They created yep. this application. They created this very extensible, uh, integratable platform, and then an application network. And then you have this tremendous stickiness because everybody's building these applications and deploying these discrete applications uh, within that network. So we believe that that's the future. And, and so instead of buying this, you know, this big, thick, heavy CRM that you cross your fingers and hope it covers the bases for every single loan officer possible, <laughs> um, and it's expensive, and it's got a, a billion different features, why not have point solutions that do very specific things, right? Why yeah, am I right. paying $100 a month and, and, uh, for, a, for a CRM system, and really all I wanted in the first place was automated email marketing? Why am I paying right. $100 a month per person for that? Yeah, that's, that's really, really good. So when it comes to mortgage CRMs, you're saying mortgage owners should be figuring out what their specialty is and then delivering a clear vision of why their specialization is vital for the lender. Is that right? That's right. So, so you know, three years ago, we saw the writing on the wall. We, we, this has been our vision. It's probably more like four now. And we said, you know what we need to get really amazing at? Marketing automation mortgage marketing automation. So let's build a, an API stack, a marketing API stack, and its job is to connect to, we don't care, we're agnostic, it can connect to, you want it to connect to your pricing engine? Great. You want it to connect to your POS? Great. Great. You want it to connect to your LOS? Fantastic. No problem. We don't care what the source of data is, we just want to make sure that we're providing an enterprise level, you know, world-class marketing automation solution um, in an API stack that can connect to any data source. So, you know, that's what I mean by that, that level of specialization, because if somebody's paying a hundred bucks a month and all they're getting is, is email marketing, they're going to be looking at the next solution when the contract comes up. So let's just deliver marketing automation and let's price it accordingly. So that it should be a third of that or, or you know, 25% of that, that overall price of the CRM. can anticipate some questions as people are listening to this. If you're talking, as you sit down and start talking to mortgage banking company owners, and I'm assuming that's who you're selling to mostly is the, the, the C-suite, yeah. is that correct? Mm-hmm. What are the yes, number one tips? Are you saying when you're selecting it, this is what you need to keep in mind? What would that, what would be your advice? Well, I mean, uh, I don't know if there's number there's a, a number one. I mean, I think certainly if I was going to say number one, make sure you you fully understand your business and how your business is sourced, you know, throughout the entire organization. And I know that's difficult with retail because there's a billion different ways to to source your business. But I think just really understanding and buying into this idea that you, you as a mortgage uh, lender executive and owner of the business, you already have thousands and th tens of thousands of people who are right there ready to go 
and want to buy a mortgage. And you're just, you're stepping right over the top of that to make your loan officers happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's really, really good point, Brent. Man, there's just, this is a huge, huge topic. As we just start cracking the lid on this one, it just makes you realize just how much more is here. Alan and I are going to be launching the Tech Stack Radio podcast. I want to get you scheduled for that one where we can really start diving deeper into this topic. I really believe Love more it. and more people need to understand this. And so, folks, I'm telling you, we're going to get Brent on Tech Stack Radio. We're about ready to launch that program. I know you've heard that before, folks, but we really are uh, getting that launch. And we'll have more on this topic. But Brent, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the program and sharing with us what you did today. It's, again, a deep and wide topic. But uh, if people want to get a hold of you, and by the way, listeners, if you're looking to look at a CRM solution and a whole marketing, where are things at? Brent is brilliant at this. I encourage you to pick up the phone and call him. What's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, well, first of all, you're going to make me blush. Um, but, <laughs> you should. You're good at what you do. Right. Um, yeah, you know, um, I, I would say just to keep it simple, uh, go to our website, Velma, V-E-L-M-A dot com. Uh, it does stand for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. So that's Velma dot com. If you just go there, read up on us and ask us to reach out to you, we'll have somebody reach out to you immediately. That's good, Brent. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Podcast today, appreciate you and I value the relationship that we've enjoyed here for a long time. And I, I really am amazed at the wisdom that you have. And I, I think you know you're a professional when you take when you, when you do something that is difficult and you do it so easily and naturally. And when you look at a professional athlete and you go, look what they did. And they go, how did you do that? And they go, well, do what? Mm-hmm. That, that's, just, that's just normal. I and mean, that's the kind of person <laughs> you are in this area. It's oh, like no big thanks. deal. It's just normal. So you, you really do know the space. Encourage our listeners to reach out to you and your company and get to know you. Thanks so much for being with us, Brent. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you. You bet. So good to have you with us again this week. Appreciate you sharing this podcast with others. And give us your suggestions of who you would like to have as guests on this podcast on the topics we're covering. Next week, our special guest will be Steve Ryan, who's CEO of RyTech. LLC up in the Chicago area. Steve and I did a presentation at the Independent Community Bankers Association in Las Vegas about two or three weeks ago, and I was so impressed with his content and what he talked about the internet, the trends that are going on. It was really interesting. So I'm really excited to have him on and share his information with our listening audience. So be sure to tune in and again, tell others about this upcoming podcast. Good to have you with us. Have a great week. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Thanks for listening.